Alright. <laughs> Alright guys, um, welcome. This is our uh, episode of Cinepunks number... 49. 49, and we're here with Joseph Gervasi. Hello. And we're also here, our guests joining us today are the makers of the documentary, the New Breed Tape Compilation documentary. What's the actual yeah, name? Yeah, is that the Give full, me, is that the... Yeah, what's uh, like the real name? It's several different names. Been in a state of flux. We, we try to go a New Breed documentary, 1989. Okay. Ooh, I like that. I like the the year aspect right. is good. I appreciate that. Bronx Warriors, 1990. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's our inspiration. I'm already sensing a common bond here. <laughs> We're on the same page. I appreciate that. Uh, let's go around and have uh, each of you introduce who you are, uh, what you did in association with the documentary, and anything else you think is worth saying about yourself. Uh, <laughs> maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your chat. No, I'm just kidding about that part. <laughs> Who wants to start? Uh, John Woods directed the film yeah. um, and played one of your shows. The, the first ever... Uh, in 1993, we were just talking about it with Grey House. Uh, my band was Hell No. Oh, wow. Uh, playing That's 77 great. Weston. Yeah, it was And a, uh, uh, another punk band. Where was that at? It was, at the, it was at the Cavalry Church of 48th and Ball. Yeah, Playing oh, 77. Was and there was, an, there was another one. So, yeah, that was, that was uh, 1993, I believe. Yeah. Crazy. That's Good show? Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a good show. Big space. Yeah, <laughs> we played on the floor. Very big space. Yeah, I'm sure people sat on the floor with backpacks. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> took notes. We didn't quite fill it. If I don't. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody quite filled it, except for Citizen Fish, probably. Yeah. And then that was the last show. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's I good. Good. All right. Orlando Arce, uh, editor. Thank you. Uh, Tony Retman, narrator of the film. Uh, Freddie Alba, uh, executive producer. <laughs> Nice and, and made the tape compilation. I was going to say, <laughs> and, and that's, that's important <laughs> to point and Tony, out. Tony, you did the the New York Hardcore book too, right? There's yeah, a I did uh, New York Hardcore 1980 1990. It came out two years at late December 2014, and before that, I did a book called Why Be Something You're Not: Detroit Hardcore 1979 1985. Awesome! Oh, very cool. Picked wow. them up. Very accomplished table here today. Yeah, and I was going <laughs> to say, and uh, you've also written for Vice before too. Is that right? Yeah, voice, voice, uh, voice, noisy guardian. You got money, I'll write for you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> How do you feel about writing for free? We'll talk after this. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, hopefully. Um, a lot of the people listening to this are going to be here tonight to yeah. see the movie, but we probably want to ask a couple of questions just for the folks who aren't going to be here tonight. Uh, who wants to start? Do you do you have something ready to go, Joseph? Are you are you locked and loaded? Uh, well, I, I guess a logical starting point would be how did you all come together to decide to do uh, a documentary film on on this particular tape, and how did the project get set into motion? Um, okay, um, me and John were friends a long time, and. Um, uh, he was working on a graffiti documentary, and he was showing me some uh, clips, and somehow the idea, I don't know who came up with it, but we just decided when we do something about the new read tape that I, myself, and um, Chaka Malik put out in um, 1989, um, and just took it from there, and it's been about uh, four years, three, four years since yeah. we started. The, the tape had kind of, uh, you know, the, somebody bootlegged it, then Freddie posted it online, I believe, and got a lot of attention, and then the record was coming out, so, uh, you know, I just... We were talking about it, and so these people are all still around, still local for the most part. And um, let's, you know, and then um, we started interviewing people. And then uh, basically, you know, the original vision was maybe like a 10 or 15 minute thing just to kind of put online. But then what they were saying, uh, we started thinking about, you know, just 
uh, the, you know, we all hung out at CBGB's in Manhattan, but none of us were from Manhattan. That was one thing. We all had to travel, you know, sometimes far distances to get to the shows. Uh, and then um, really just, you know, um, kind of the scope of the thing expanded uh, from, from there based all pretty much 100% on what people were saying. And we realized it was a bigger story to tell there. And, and uh, then once we got, you know, Gingy happened to be in town, it just worked out that we got a lot of good interviews. And then uh, we finally got Freddie and Chaka to sit. That only, that only happened a few timing, months ago. Right. And then once once that happened, then magically the yeah. thing finally got done. And we found a great editor. So yeah, exactly. Editor, yeah, so that was, that was difficult. Uh, yeah, so everything kind of clicked. I thank you. <laughs> Did you uh, go about seeking outside funding through crowdsourcing to, to fund it? No, no. I mean, I don't know. I mean, crowdsourcing for like if somebody discovers a print that's like needs restoration. But with something like this, I just felt like, you know, um, we, we we did this thing the way we did the things back then, not for like an aesthetic choice, but just because that was, it felt like, oh, it's just, just not gonna mic anybody, uh, we're only available light, uh, we're just gonna put the camera on a tripod, turn it on, and that's it, and whatever we get, we're gonna get. So uh, that really didn't, we never really discussed that at all, you know, we were able to, to do it pretty much, you know, a little, you know, piece by piece, um, the way we used to do it, you know, yeah. the way we still do it, actually. <laughs> And how does it for you, Orlando, when you when you get this material in, in this form, is it is it more problematic for you to work with something that's a little rougher like this? Or well, is it John and I had been discussing uh, even prior to even me editing it. Right, we had discussed. Yeah, we had met and, and just kind of the aesthetic yeah. and artistic aesthetic as well on how it should be and put together. You definitely were saying about how certain documentaries are made for television, PBS stuff. For, you know. We kind of clicked on that, where uh, um, yeah. you know, just go with the go with that. Where uh, yeah, just keep know. it raw, yeah. keep it uh, you know almost as uh, immediate uh, as the t tape compilation itself, you know. But you know, as well with the same passion that was put behind it. But uh, yeah, I met F Freddie in uh, August of last year. Right, right. And Bump he, into you by chance. <laughs> yeah, and and I we had met like weeks earlier, though I've obviously known of freddie because of the tape compilation um and he was like i have all these interviews right yeah we had gone through a couple of editors that um just didn't work out for our reasons so we were stuck with all this um footage and we need someone to put it together so it's good timing to bump into orlando and i mentioned the project and um yeah because i was looking for something to do too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to no something like of this scope that that uh i wanted to because i had been editing uh, videos for my band, uh, Hello Phones, and uh, I, I was dying to do something like this, so it couldn't come at a, at a better time. Oh. Is the form that it's currently in its final form, or is there some malleability in, in how it will ultimately be presented? I mean, some things, you know, we, we never, we haven't, obviously, you know, we haven't shot credits yet, um, so yeah, well, it would be, uh, you know, we were just talking about this on the way down here, we don't want to lose that, that rawness. But there's a couple things, you know. Um, yeah, that's still, uh, I think, like a work in progress. Like yeah. the the, uh, the one we're going to screen tonight is actually a little bit different than the one we screen in, in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. We change it up a little bit, um, tie in certain spots. And, uh, yeah, we could always add or take away anything. Yeah. yeah. I think that's been a good thing, though. You know, we get to see the kind of yeah, process the progression of, of it. Even, it's kind of like in, a, you know, seeing, and seeing a band play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At some point, it's going to, I imagine, appear on DVD. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And that, that will lock in yeah, at yeah. your final Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, we're not going to tinker with it like George Lucas or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, oh, but I was looking forward to the special <laughs> third director's <laughs> edition. Did Alva shoot first or no? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Um, 
I really appreciated the archival footage. Uh, and I didn't know with some of the things if they were just people's videos, like home videos or videos shot at shows. And then some of it, it looked like they were larger scenes of New York as a whole. Was it all pe from people's private collections or did you have to go out and grab I shot things? some of it and you know, friends of ours shot some of it mm -hmm. and um, some of the people who were doing this kind of directed us towards it. So uh, um, that's you know, pretty much in this, you could find you know, stuff's out there sure. these days. So um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, in some cases, we had been at certain shows that we wanted to throw, and then we're able to find somebody who had it, or you know, that kind of stuff. So, and John happened to have a lot of um, stuff he shot back then. Yeah, like I shot a lot of stuff. I and I, I was never big, seen anywhere. Big so tape trader and stuff. Yeah. You know, that's great. The ABC and real stuff. That's you know, and a lot of stuff. I had a video camera back then, so um, I, you know, I just wish I shot more stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I have I have quite a bit. Was there anybody that you guys were unable to get in contact with for the movie? Was there anyone that you had wished that you had gotten? It seems very complete, like um, pretty. Uh, there's a lot in there, but was there anyone that you were like, "Oh man, if only we got this one person"? Oh right. Um, I mean, late editions were Kevin Egan and Adam Nathanson. Yeah, everyone was, we we made like a, a list of people wanted to interview, and pretty much everyone on the list uh, we got. So can't think of anyone that we. No, I mean, no. Everybody said yes, and yeah, <laughs> and everyone was still around. Yeah, that's still that's around. The, you know, yeah. which which is uh, you know take it for granted, but that's I think it's you know important. There are a bunch of other people that tell me now, hey, how come we didn't you didn't interview us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that list is pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. uh, I think one of the most striking things about the film is that, uh, in contrast to a lot of documentaries on hardcore, it's not all white guys. That there's a great racial diversity in the film and. My experience in, in Philly shows was exactly like that. It was a very mixed scene. But then I would see documentaries that would come out and it would all be white guys. So I think that that was really interesting that you know you really show the diversity of Philadelphia or rather New York and the New York scene in there. Yeah, I mean that you know that's it wasn't again didn't have to do anything to do that. It was just whoever was there <laughs> happened to be you know. Uh, different backgrounds, everybody. So um, Dave Stein, I think, is pretty eloquent what he says about how you know it was a microcosm of what New York City was, and elsewhere was was kind of you know uh, maybe not as not as mixed uh, or as diverse. But yeah, that was pretty much what it was. Was that people were on the comp, um, you know, were were from all different boroughs, different states in some cases. So that's uh, what at it the was. time. Was there some acknowledgement of that, like? when you are in that moment as opposed to now, did it feel like, oh, there's a lot of different people here or was it not even something you were aware of or conscious of? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, when I was going to shows in um, you know, 87, 88, New York scene, um, I thought the whole rest of the country was like that. It was very, very mixed as far as uh, different ethnic groups and later on you find out, you know, that it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we went on tour. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we see those Red later. Robin. We see those documentaries that Joseph mentioned, and yeah, it's, it wasn't like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I still thought it was a really interesting choice to leave like most of the focusing on the tape for the last part of the movie. Right. So in essence, it shows like hardcore and the scene, but as it's positioned in a greater society in New York City. Right. And I thought that was that was on purpose as well. Like you guys had it paced in this manner like to to leave the comp stuff for the end yeah that's something me and him actually like we you know the three of us kind of sat down and and and, and you know the buckets the sections mm. and then uh we did we did talk about that about where that fit best and then um i mean you could 
yeah, you could take over long, and yeah the longevity yeah. of it but yeah. I, I think but it, was, it was the end result of, of, of what where everybody came from we, were, I mean, we thought it was very important to uh, ask what was the first music you heard and and then wind up it's like that's what that's where it wound up was you know yeah but kind he, of the build up to the actual compilation yeah you know? exactly but all of these things were like a uh, just a product of it uh, yeah. Yeah. it's all on the tape somehow everything that yeah. we kind of talked about earlier or that is talked about earlier it's no, pretty awesome, man. Just because, like, we've seen a few couple other, like, scene-specific movie documentaries recently, which are good and such, but it they all start off on the same foot in that they feel like they have to tell you, like, there was this thing, it's called hardcore. Like, you don't, you're going into it not knowing about any of it. And um, I thought what was most striking about this movie is that it doesn't pander in this way to the audience. It assumes that you're already on a page that you're like, okay, well, I know what's happening. That's actually something, I don't even know if you remember saying this. Freddie very early on was like, let's just make this for, for us and our friends. And whoever likes it can, yeah. <laughs> can watch it. And, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And that circles, I mean, we're making it for a specific niche group, but um, that group is a lot larger than, I mean. Yeah, that's true. And it's gotten it, larger since Yeah, it keeps getting larger. So, yeah, we we assume you know something about the tape before you see it. Yeah. Sure. Even if someone, I think, didn't even know about it, at saw it, would just do the research. And yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> and then figure out, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, who don't uh, even like the music, but they kind of get the, you know, um, it's really another thing, too, me and him talked about it, was the personality of the people being interviewed, we felt was like, that's that's the whole the whole thing right there. So, um, you know, again, keeping it raw and just, you know, listen, listening to them talk, their different accents, you know. That's kind of kind of what uh, we thought was gonna. It's intimate hanging out with these guys for yeah. an hour. If you're like a linguist, like major anthropology, like <laughs> this has the most authentic like New York accents. Really, you know, like yeah. No, that's, accent, yeah, that's ones I haven't accent. heard in a while. Like, oh wow, yeah. the story of Lou. Exactly. <laughs> that's the yeah. thickest Queens accent. You corner specific hear. accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 corner specific. Story Park style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was Was there anything that you were able to capture that then you didn't feel worked in the movie? I think watching these guys edit the movie, I think it was, we did about 14 interviews, and each interview was about 30, 40 minutes long. The thing, the biggest hurdle was just um, editing. These people said some incredible stuff, and there's some really good stories, but one story would be like four or five minutes long, and you just couldn't put it in, so. We we did say for the DVD, we're gonna have the complete (laughs) Gingy Brown interview. Yeah, oh, sure, that was sure. talk about a turn the camera on guy, and we happened to have that light. Just he asked the one question, and he just went yeah, off. Yeah, forty five minutes, and and <laughs> all never gold. stammers, and and, yeah, and stares off stuff. in the distance, and you know, yeah. yeah he, so um, that was probably the biggest thing was just having to be all right. Well, we got to tell a story here. Yeah. Uh, this what he's saying is incredible, and there was a couple of things that were tough yeah. to let go, but you know, feeling out the yeah the timing of it and. Yeah, and just keeping it, you know, keep f- it moving. I guess that was that was like because also you know you're dealing with the topics of people going into the city, and uh, this is a, a place that's always always on the move. We it made our little Raiders of the Lost Ark map with yeah. the lines on. No, it. that was it was actually very helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I watched it with my wife who uh, has no connection to the music whatsoever. So for her the context stuff like and that was you know not that it's not in some ways i think a movie more for folks like myself who are familiar with the music and familiar with the scene i like wanted her to watch with me because i wanted a little bit of a read on that well okay you don't know anything about this what do you think and she still found it very interesting because of new york but also because of this idea of at this point people are coming in and i i actually was wondering do you think is that a difference between the 
generation represented on the tape and the people before them? Or was that always the case, that people were coming into that? I know this is a little bit more of a question about the tape than it is about the movie, but I just was, when I was watching it, something I was thinking is, huh, is that a difference from maybe five years earlier? Or is that, um, has, would, was that the, always the case? I think that was always the case. Um, like the early New York uh, A7 scene, um, same thing. Everyone came from somewhere else. Okay. You know, like maybe Harley was the only Lower East Side. Sure. <laughs> from the Lower East Side. Everyone else came from Jersey, the boroughs. Um, you say that, Tony? Yeah, I would say that. But I think maybe for that late 80s era, I think there was a, a, a bigger suburban influx right. than, mm. than 81 to 85. I think like the whole kind of... It was seen just got like bigger, you, too. Yeah, a bit yeah. bigger. And I think... And there was it, more kids from Manhattan, I think, earlier on, maybe. Yeah, and I think it was also that whole... I think the whole kind of like whatever... Uh, Youth of Today, Youth Crew thing, I think, like, brought a lot of kids in who might have been, like, scared. Yeah. Like, oh, like, it's cool That's for a good me point. to, yeah. like, I don't have to have, like, a syringe hanging out of my arm or something. <laughs> like, I can just show up in, in my Nike warm-up suit and I'm good. Um, but... No, I think I think it might. I, be I like the idea. You don't have to. I mean, if you do, that's <laughs> hell. I, I wore one. plus I mean, five points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I came from Holiday Spa. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think there was definitely a suburban element from New Jersey. Like all those bands that like calls for alarm and stuff. Those were all Jersey guys. Death Force Honor. But I think yeah, the scene got bigger, and I think it maybe some kids were a little felt maybe a little bit more welcomed. Hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe felt a little. At ease, like oh, I can go down to the Bowery. Like, no one's gonna. Yeah, I mean, people are gonna yeah. hurt you. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Well, Genji talks about the safer progression. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the exactly. same path I took, where I was comfortable to walk down Eighth Street. Yeah. To the, the to St. Mark's, you yeah. know, and then making that leap below the the cube, yeah, <laughs> below exactly. Cooper Union, yep. Yep. took a little bit longer. But then, you know, uh, that's where it was, and then it moved even further east with ABC New yeah. So. We just all, you know, that's we were all there for the music, and that was that's another good point too. Mm. But, yeah. yeah, definitely. Mm. Do you think that any viewers will be somewhat disconcerted that no women appear in the documentary? Um, I think it's a reflection of the the times themselves. That, I mean, I could name maybe like one hand all the women that were involved back then. So um, yeah, it's just a reflection of the times. There weren't that many women in the scene, and the the ones that were there were more, um, I guess. Uh, what they call it, uh, bag hand? Oh, no, coat hangers. That's someone, someone, they would just hold their boyfriend's coat. So I think it's a reflection it, of those times. And I think it was a reflection of that late, later era. I think maybe in the early era, there was like, you know, whatever, bands like Killer Instinct or whatever, that were like yeah. all female. Beastie Boys had yeah. you know, Kate and stuff. And I think so, that's it. I think as, as it got, um, that, that later era, I think, did get a little less... Fe- like there was l- less of a female population. I yeah, think. I mean, with, with ABC and Oreo, if we're, if we're telling that story, there'd be completely completely different different story. Yeah. different story altogether and it'd be you know i mean you can go on the list it was almost probably even it's not like a year's difference between no it was i mean months i was just yeah. thinking about that is the um you know the stuff i shot uh, in front of abc and with the end on the sidewalk that was just a little over a year after new breed came out so it really changed um and and you know in, in a huge way like just a few months after that at the end of the movie abc and is one of the sort of marks that are brought up marking the difference between you know it's a sort of like this kind of ends it's almost like the tape compilation comes out and then things sort of changed and what i noticed was um that was one of the things that was sort of maybe glossed like oh the audience knows abc no rio whatever and i was wondering 
Um, I don't know if that's true for everyone. So I, I kind of wanted to say, like, what is that transition, that moment that maybe New Breed represents, and how is that in some way? I mean, I could, I could obviously guess the differences between that and ABC No Rio, but I wanted to ask you guys to, like, articulate it. Like, what is that transition to some extent? How would you explain that um, to someone? I think I, I briefly mentioned as far as um, newer bands starting that sure. people were on the comp. Um, like, members from Life's Blood started Born Against, uh, big band ABC No Rio scene. Uh, members from uh, our gang and True Colors from the comp started um, Citizens Arrest. So I, I, I mentioned it briefly, but I think that would be another whole other uh, documentary. Yeah. Scenery. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but things continued elsewhere. I mean, it's splintered. Sure. You know, there was Coney Island High started up, well, you know, a little bit later. But when it was November of, nine, of 89 when they stopped, you know, for you know that era doing matinees at CBS, And I think they started them up again. In '90, at some point, but some um, records closes, but some records construction. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was just that's kind of I guess there was really there's no end. It just kind of uh, it just continued in different areas. Pretty much the same things happening, but just with different bands. Yeah, and maybe so we should forth. do a early ABC No Rio movie. Yeah, I was going to ask if anyone, if you considered Cause I, cause doing I, it. I, I, I started booking shows there in the um, summer of 1990. Um, I also these guys are involved with reconstruction records, so yeah, maybe we should do another documentary. <laughs> well, and. A, yes, definitely you should. I mean, let's just put that out on the table. I, whether you will or not is another thing, but yeah, definitely. I, I was wondering, um, you know, the, the New Breed tape, it kind of represents in a way like a slice of a moment, and then a lot of those folks move on. Like those bands break up, people do other things. Um, was there a feeling when you were putting it together that – that was a ch like that might happen, or were was there some feeling of like, oh, we're documenting these bands now while they're young and new, but they have a future, like they're going to keep going, like this is the future of our scene. Right. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we thought all those bands were, um, you know, we thought Absolution was going to make their like a debut LP that was yeah. going to blow it run away, and um, just didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of other bands, Life's Blood broke up. Uh, like out of the twenty bands and on the comp, maybe about um, I would say. Two thirds of them broke up by by the end of '89. Um, yeah, there was a lot of excitement around the tape, and so it was, you know, it was just as quickly as it was like, wow, this is you know, amazing collection of bands. Just as quickly, kind of, it did uh, fizzle out. Yeah, yeah, I know, which is crazy. And there was no sense of that, or did you have some sense like, oh, these guys might do something else? Uh, yeah, like, like I was saying, yeah, we were hoping they would do something else, yes, but right. it didn't happen. It seems like not only did some of those bands end, but they went. At least as a as a observer from afar over history, it feels like they went a lot of different directions. I know I know folks who are very much obsessed with this compilation who aren't necessarily interested in some of the bands that came out of it. It's like almost like this moment where they're like, "Oh, I really like." Like I know people who love Life's Blood who would never listen to Born Against, or at least don't have the same passion. Um, was there any sense that of the variety of directions people would go after this at the time? Or was that a total surprise now looking back? Like, wow, it's amazing that some of these young bands are here and they went on to do this other thing that was so interesting or different or not what I expected. I always thought it was amazing because I knew of the bands. I came a, a, a little, maybe a couple of years later after sure. they were in the scene. But even by then, um, I was interested in the new bands. And that's when I, when I heard of Born Against... I was like, oh, what? I was always because I'm a person like that. What were the bands before? Sure. That? Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, me what too. What were the bands before that? Yeah, I want to know the whole history. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. totally. So I, I think there was probably a lot of individuals in the scene, so uh, in the scene also who felt that way as well. So, but you know, 
it was a very immediate thing, right? Like I think like Bill Wilson said, you know, it's like he wanted to contribute. Right. You know, maybe you know, something very immediate maybe. Well, everything kind of just, you know, changed as far as like 1990 roll around as far as uh musically, um Politics-wise, yeah, uh, different. Well, more bands were also getting signed. <laughs> yeah, so some, maybe yeah. some bands are, the exactly. Way yeah, in so the moment, it just felt like this, it. this band's gonna come for me. It felt like this is this is like the next step after, you know, I came in on like Corrosion Conformity, Dead Kennedys, then sure. Rest in Pieces, and Agnostic Front, and Youth of Today. It seemed like wow, this is this is the the next step, and it was, but it was just a brief a brief step, and then it went. Yeah, there was different bands that actually did did you know have a little bit more longevity afterwards. Well, I wonder too if it's a little bit of, uh, you know, as a younger person, it's also a little bit of projection on my my part. If it wasn't for this new breed comp, I would never associate the next bands that these folks end up in. There's no reason for me to assume unless I do the research and find out. I would not connect them together. Even bands that stayed, you know, together in some way are a surprise to me, you know, years later be like, oh, they're on a comp with them? Oh, that's interesting. I would have never pictured that. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, for you having done this, I don't know, is there a sense that, oh my God, everyone went different directions? Or do you still feel like, no, we all came from the same place, we're still related, it's still the quote-unquote same scene in some way? Uh, well, for me, it was just uh, just a progression, like hmm. talking about Lice Play <laughs> again. I mean, I love Lice Play, my favorite bands. And then when they, um, when Adam from Lice Play started Born Against, they were my favorite band too. So sure, it wasn't like a big. I think they, they played their first show right as the comp was coming out. Yeah, they April played downtown. Period, yeah, yeah, April, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so let me just, I love both of them. I mean, I never um, made like a separate, like one thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Do you guys still feel compelled to like listen to new hardcore bands or new bands that are coming up? Like, well, not so much new, but do you stay current with all the stuff that's coming out that's still pertinent to New yeah, York? Yeah, I would say, yeah, totally, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I don't know. You yeah. still go see new bands and all stuff. Yeah, no, I, I'd rather see a new band than like a, a reunion yeah. band. Any day. Like, yeah, totally. No, no diss on those bands, but I think it's also um, a matter of like everybody here, like I'm a record collector, so I always want to know. I don't want to be like the creepy old guy, like, so what's new and cool here, kids? But like, I Are you sure? Because that sounds great. I've been working on it. Want some grass? Nothing creepy about it, but go on. I've been working on it. Um, no, but I'm always trying to find, you know, in the same way that like I would get a mail order catalog from Blacklist or something and, and go through it, I look at like Grave Mistake every week and, and see like, oh, like... Mm. This looks cool, and it's cooler now because I can actually listen to it and be like, ah, this stinks. I don't want it. But um, no, I still take, I, I still buy a lot of those records. If a band's good enough, I'll, I'm an old man now, so they, you know, if if I can get home by ten o'clock for bed, that's cool. Um, but no, I, st yeah, no, I still like a lot of new hardcore and just new music in general. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think the, the the enthusiasm of the four of you stands maybe in some contrast to some other filmmakers who have made things about hardcore where it all seems to end in a particular year. And, and yeah. that's always when that individual elected to leave that scene. And, and then everyone that came after I guess- with their 20s by chance. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you, know, you, you retain an enthusiasm for it. So although you're dealing with a specific time period in the documentary, it, it's not as if the documentary says, and that was the end of hardcore. And then everybody who came in a year, two years, 10 years later says, oh, well, what was I doing? What was this thing that I've been coming <laughs> yeah. to? Definitely heard the same thing back then. And then people, kids before us heard the same thing for other people where it was, you know, 
you know, oh, this is BS, you know, 1981 at A7 was the time. They heard the same, oh, this is Max's Kansas City with, you know, Dead Boys was the place, and mm-hmm. they heard, this This is BS, it's the Fillmore <laughs> with Black Sabbath and 10 years after, you know, so. It's only, no, no, this that, is but that, Pepper and Lounge with, you know, <laughs> that is 10 true. years after Black Sabbath, come on. <laughs> Pretty damn good. Yeah. But it's what you make of it, really, whatever time you're in, um, and, you know, and you have the option of, of uh, you know, studying history and, and letting that influence you or, or not, or just do, do whatever you want to do. But it's always as good as, as you want to make it to be. Mm-hmm. I, I like that um, the year, uh, a lot of um, documentaries and books, they always list 1986 as the um, yeah. ending point. And the documentary, it, that's kind of where we start, 1985, yeah. yeah. So I kind of like that. Um, tells a story a little after anything post-86. Yeah, I, pre- I, I appreciated that as well, especially because, at least in some documentaries, there's this attitude of like, well, New York was always behind the ball anyway. And as a kid who came in way, not way, but significantly after that, I was like, well, that's all I heard. When I first started going to Shreveport, like, New York, that's, that's all that matters. You know, so like having some guy who I don't know be like, and then there was New York, they were behind the times. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because it just wasn't my, you know, in my experience, it was, especially growing up in Philadelphia, it was like we were in a little bit of the shadow. Like we were like, oh yeah, all that stuff's going on up there, you know? So um, the one of the things I, I, when you describe putting the tape together in the documentary, it feels very casual. Like, oh, some other guy did that. I can do that. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yeah. Are you, what is your feeling now when, I mean, literally, I, the reason I heard, the first time I heard about this compilation is when someone was like, well, you have to get, you know, the holy trinity of New York hardcore compilations. <laughs> they were just like, obviously, it's the way it is. It's where the wild things are. And it's a new breed. And in fact, we did an interview with, uh, with Pavich, it came up, with Joe Hardcore came up. And like for Joe, that's how he described the differences between him and, oh, you know, for other guys, it was New Breed, but I was more of a w- the way it is guy. And uh, and like as if that's a way you would know someone's, like I would meet you and be like, oh, did you meet Tom? He's a, he's more of a, you know, yeah. yeah, he's more of a New Breed guy or, oh, so and so, they're more of the way it is, you know, oh, he's a way it is guy. All right. It's more of a direct approach guy yeah, rather exactly. than a yeah, sure, side sure. by side guy. So, so how does it feel now knowing that something that, uh, when you started, felt like, oh, you know, this is just a thing I'm going to do, whatever, has had such a huge impact. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Can't, uh, <laughs> Maybe that question yeah. was too easy. No, Damn it. No. Um, yeah, we were doing, and we, yeah, we weren't really thinking anything about, you know, 25 or, you know, 25 years later or even a year down the line. It was just um, something we had to do. Mm. We felt, and we had, um, and we could do, we could, as far as, um, uh, doing layout for the booklet, I kind of just figured out. I did a fanzine before, so I kind of figured out how to do it. And Chaka um, did all the um, EQ and the, the master tape and all that. So yeah, no, it's great that it's, it gets so much recognition. Um, the reason I, I find out in the early 2000s, um, I saw a bootleg CD of the, the new read tape, hmm. and I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So I picked <laughs> it up, and then uh, at the same time, some some kid from Texas wrote to me. Somebody got my email and asked me some questions about the new recomp, and I was like, I was pretty impressed that this kid was like, you know, half my age, knew everything <laughs> about the tape and more than I did. So um, each um, succeeding generation just keeps, keeps, the interest keeps growing for the tape, and it's just it's great all around. Now, I uh, recently picked up 
the uh, vinyl release that came out. How long ago did the vinyl release? Two thousand and eleven, four years ago. Was there is there a significant difference? Like was something added? Yeah, we, we added um, uh, basically uh, two bands. Uh, well, Life's Blood. We we added um, a couple extra songs. Sure. Uh, different singer than on the uh, than on the seven inch. Okay. And then we added a band, uh, All for One, who were supposed to be in the comp a long time ago and. For some stupid reason, they weren't, so we wanted to rectify that. Sure. And then we also added um, Dennis, uh, the voice of God. He's like, he was the bouncer at CBGB's. Mm-hmm. So we added some um, some of his uh, ramblings. That was one of the funniest parts, <laughs> by the way. You know, because I'd heard someone had made me a dub of it back when I was in <laughs> high school or after, just after high school. And then when I got the record and the Dennis part came on, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I had no idea. The first caller calling in. <laughs> what do they want? What hey, do they want? First time, long time. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing about the Mets is, uh... <laughs> so uh, uh, I had one one more thing. Uh, someone actually, this you know, I got some random people sending thing. Uh, friend of the show, Jamie Getz, very specifically want to know how long did it take for you to get all the tracks uh, from the bands, and what format were the tracks given to you? Um. We started about right before the summer of 88 when we started asking all the bands. Uh, so it took about maybe six six months to get everything. And everything we got on a, on a cassette tape. So we asked them to um, record something specifically from the tape or give us a live tape. So everything just cassettes. And those cassettes we transferred to a master tape. So everything's all analog. <laughs> that's great. Well, like cassette to cassette. Cassette to cassette, yeah. That is awesome. I mean, and that's then, just, that's yeah. great. That's like really great. So we transferred into, a, I guess, a master tape, and then Chaka, he had this fancy, you know, equalizer, so he kind of like souped it up, made it, all the levels as um, even as possible. And then from that master tape, we copied, dubbed all the tapes one by one. Was it a difficult process deciding who to have on the compilation or um, well the first the reason we're doing the comp was basically to do something with absolution and after them it just um snowballed like everyone people that we knew they all had new bands forming um no it's really easy getting all the bands to to be on it were there any stragglers was there anybody like like you got to give me that tape when, when yeah a couple of uh, bands uh band called, yeah there's a band called impact who um from my, from my neighborhood in Queens and um, friends of mine, but they can never get it together to record. So they're probably the only stragglers, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're not on the tape. <laughs> so I got a question. Uh, when you were making the tape, did you ever have the idea that it would become such a rarity and like it would be like a sought after thing? No, like, no. Several <laughs> years later. Not at all. Because like in 89, um, uh, I was a collector, of, meaning record collector and I collected vinyl. You know, I don't know anyone who. Tapes weren't that, I guess by 89, they weren't such price commodities, you know, it was so mm-hmm. easy. But no, I they never got left in cars. What's that? Yeah, they got left in cars. Yeah, I got like left the only people doing Melted. tape comps were you and John White in Seattle, I'd say. Yeah, John yeah. opened your eyes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So uh, they were so common. Everyone's making tape comps. Uh, no, no, not at all. I think it would be such a, you know, quote unquote hot commodity. <laughs> but by, by 89, was there much of a, like, like, one of the things when I think about, hardcore is this collectorism that has come along where it's very important you know people will pay money i can't even imagine for certain test presses by 89 had any of that started yet or was it still kind of like oh, yeah. oh i yeah. found a record oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it was totally. horrible yeah. Yeah. really it's, 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 well, like great that makes oh, me like, happy actually like, like venus right like going venus into venus records, yeah. records and seeing like the crippled youth seven inch for like sure. 50 bucks and you're like 
That was that came really out two years ago. Like, what the hell? Like, Underdog. It's still horrible. No, I, I mean, I know that now that like I've sold a lot of those records, and now I'm like, God, I really want that record back. And I look at how much it is. I'm like, God, I'm not paying that much money. They paid like $600 for an abuse 7-inch, so wow. it's still cheap. <laughs> well, I some money from you to pay my taxes this week. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a reconstruction? Well, one of the it's like giving them out like turkeys. Turkey. <laughs> one of the reasons why I, I became friends with Chaka, Chaka Malik, the... Sure. Uh, we were both record collectors. We would go on these uh, missions, you know, <laughs> looking at yeah. stuff. So, yeah, we bonded over that. Um, but like someone mentioned, yeah, we thought the prices were outrageous then, and now it's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no problem picking up <laughs> a record yeah, of that price. Like negative <laughs> approach was like 50 bucks. Like, I oh, my yeah. God, 50 yeah, bucks. Yeah, well, that, was, that was the <laughs> whole insane. thing. They, they made, like, maybe how many copies, and that was it. Yeah. 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 Mm. The, 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 the antidote was an early. That yeah, was, like, that already was worth a lot of money back then. Who did the... Was it Adam who did the flyer where it's like the comparisons of like what the records were at like Venus and Blue right, Adam? Yeah, yeah. 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 really. Adam yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then because <sighs> he did like Triple Youth and all that stuff, and at the bottom was like a, a screwdriver seven, and she just wrote "fuck you" over it. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Good, good old Adam. Uh, who here has true. that screwdriver seven inch? What's that? <laughs> God damn it! So, someone raised a hand, but we won't say who it was. It was we didn't like let's. If this was like <laughs> most the guy in the red shirt. Wait a minute. Most most people listening to this podcast know exactly who it was. <laughs> they were like, as soon as you asked that question, about a hundred people went. I bet and it's Evan. <laughs> Man, I like rare records. What do you want? From yeah, sure, Speaking of record sure. collecting, we were just at Princeton Record Exchange. Yeah. yeah. Tony picked up a sweet deal. Yeah? yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah. It works there. So. Well, all right. Uh, okay. I got 20 a, bucks. a record that I wanted probably. It's funny. It's a record that my brother always had. And I was like, God damn it. Why do you have this? And uh, it's the Crucifix 1984 7-inch. 20 no, bucks. Completes my, yeah, 20 bucks. Completes God my, damn it. <laughs> Well, well, his brother I works have, there. I have, conne- <laughs> I have connections. But it doesn't have the patch in it. I want the patch. It's, See, Freddie has like the patch. patch. You know, I, I, I <laughs> live... I might as well just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. It's not even... Come on. It's not even the patch. Who cares about the music? I put a nicotine patch in there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, it's, the Prince of Rector change is actually... I, you know, and what's weird is I lived in Princeton for four years, oh, yeah? and I was only... Va- I was only a little bit getting into vinyl at that point, and... I still I had not yet gotten the memo that we were all going to leave CDs behind. <laughs> so they have those like 99 cent CDs. Yeah. And Princeton is exactly the place where people are like, wait a minute, I have a wife and kids now. I should sell all my hardcore CDs. Yeah, yeah. So you'd go in there and everything I could want would be 99 cents and I would just buy it. And now that I am CD free, I regret every dollar. Even if it was really? 99 cents, I'm like, ah, oh, what a waste of my life. I would always, when I went there, I would always specifically go over to that bargain thing. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah. Be, like to me, it was like a ritual. Like I'd buy all the records and I'd go over there and I'd be like, what CD am I going to listen to on the ride home? Right, like, exactly. Oh, the for 99 cents. Boom, there we go. Like, and you yeah. could tell, like they would be there would be a section of CDs, all hardcore, all within a specific style, where you could imagine the kind of person the who would come in. Seven inch box today was like that. Right, yeah. This guy's from that the nineties. Ran- yeah, but it was, there was yeah, a lot of random stuff. Yeah, like that was it. Like crucifix. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And even though that. If you look through the new arrivals, it was like, oh, the struggled 12 inch. Great. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Some of the greatest experiences of my life has been knowing people who have been, who would get addicted to drugs or were bums that didn't work and couldn't pay their rent and would have to sell oh, yeah. their record oh, collection. Yeah, yeah. And being, you know, the responsible gentleman <laughs> that I am, I could then absorb this <laughs> gleefully. Uh, so did any of you ever have any kind of a dark night of the soul where you had to sell off a chunk of your collection okay. that you now oh, greatly yeah, totally. regret? Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 A lot of my shirts 
Except this is one of the few ones that I saved. What is the shirt? <laughs> it's a token <laughs> entry. He wore it just for uh, the screening oh, today. Oh, that's great. <laughs> they made a shirt out of the flyer for the show. Uh, but I mean, you know, um, it was a kid actually from this, this city here. <laughs> Emailed me and said, oh, do you have a straight ahead shirt? And I was like, yeah, I'm not. And, and he set a number and I was like, all right, <laughs> I got other stuff too. I mean, it was just really, you know, it was cool to kind of make myself, all right, I have to let go. You know, I enjoyed it for a long time, and uh, you know, it's not about the shirt. It's you know, um, that said, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of great stuff that you know, but that's life. I got the record still. Any other sad tales of uh, record selling woe? Well, I don't know. It was sad. It was just um, in the early 2000s, going to school and just needed money. Yeah. Uh, to I had pay, children, you know, so. rent, food, and all that. So I sold a good maybe 80% of my record stuff. Oof. Um, but I don't. I regret it. The person I gave it to was. Uh, was someone who um, would look after them. It wasn't like a hoarder. So yeah, it was, I, them. I felt good. But you uh, didn't find yourself in the position later where you started to piece by piece buy back your own, no, even no, from no, another place. No, 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 everything's online now, so it's, it's not. A, no, I don't need the actual yeah. object. Okay. What you're saying makes sense, and yet I can't feel it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not a collector anymore. So. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, what are so the. We talked a little bit about, obviously, you want to put this on physical media of some kind. Is there a plan for the film after this? Is it like festivals? Is it distribution? What's sort of the next uh, step I mean, for this? I think this? we can, you know, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of independent music documentaries that are coming out now, and people are just right. booking them, like the Rye Coalition one. They did it like that. Um, Breadcrumb Trail, the Slint one. Uh, there was that one... Um, the San Diego one, it's going to blow. Yeah. Oh, we interviewed him right here, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, I think, you know, and it's, you know, there's, there is a, there's a pretty good circuit of independent cinemas, places like this where you can do it. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, there might not be as much interest uh, in certain places as others because it's pretty, pretty specific what we did. But I think in Europe, there's, you know, yeah. Wes Warshawski, who did the Dam documentary. Um, yeah. You know, he did a whole tour of England, so there's, there's that, that possibility. So... Yeah, I think we just want to screen it some more. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's kind of a work in progress. So we, we, we're yeah. talking in the car a lot about changing a couple of things. So yeah. we'll keep on um, not fixing, but making little changes to, yeah. <laughs> to, to look like it. We like it. Yeah. yeah. And you could definitely, I mean, there is like this life outside of America where this the compilation and the bands on it are like uh, mythicized. Would that be the word? Where like you know there was kids fetishized maybe <laughs> mythologized <laughs> sure like where the first uh, the first screening on Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. like these kids from England who were in like a hardcore band from England were just like their minds were blown by it and like it's weird like it takes on a life of its own it's almost like the kids revise the history in a way mm. but I think that's a thing I think uh, there's little pockets of the world where the new breed documentary is like you know this grand thing right. so you should like totally right. you know, I just, speaking of those kids uh, I, t I talked to those kids after the screening and they were basically told me they were so like nervous and paralyzed so to ask any questions it was so like <laughs> was, like they couldn't believe it with that kind of thing <laughs> it's, 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 and it's crazy but it's great and I think that's the thing is like when you go through your head of like the, the history of music that you you're interested in you can't you're too close to this to, to think it's history, if that makes any sense. So that's what you need is like those kids to be like, hey, like, show of force are great. You're like, they are? Yeah, they are. Okay. <laughs> like, it's, it needs a like validation from, a, from, a, from another generation to kind of make it what it is in some way. Does it ever get tempting, though, to, to not take that seriously? I guess because I'm trying to compare it to my experience 
there are definitely, you know, I'm 36. I definitely interact with people in their 20s who are like, oh, man, Fury of Five. And I was like, yo, man, I was there. It was not that cool. Like, it's fine. They're a fine band. But, like, people are paying, starting to pay money for things or they pick some random metalcore band from, like, the late 90s. And I'm like, that's your thing? That's the, of all the things, that was the thing. Is is there some inclination on on y'all's part to be like, oh, wait, people like this band? Or, or do you just say, that's great. I love that you care. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's again, like I said, like they're kind of putting their own spin on it and putting their own history yeah, everybody, on it. Everybody's taste is yeah, valid. it's different. Everybody's taste but is the different. The Misfits were like that to some extent. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. People in New York weren't, you know, then they it thought was, they were like yeah, bridge and tunnel Guido. Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I, yeah, that's, cool. that's great. Touching my nose and no, no, no. You. I think it's great. <laughs> I think they acceptable. They kind of were, though. No, they were. No, they were. Um, why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> Yo. But I, but I think I, I think saying it though is is there is something a little bit because there is a certain dedication to the misfits that can be. Yeah, I know. What it's you, mean. you know people are very dedicated, so even saying like I don't know they weren't that cool in some context, people be like, what do you mean? What? Like it's you know there's well, yeah I think the only reason they were cons- like like John said like in New York they were like people thought they were a joke. It was wasn't until like. Slash magazine in California sure, where sure. started to review those records and guys like, in the Necros. That's yeah. what I, yeah, and then the guys from the Necros and Tesco started reading those reviews because Chris from the Flesh Eaters was writing them and they were like, Well, that guy has good taste. And I think that's what if it wasn't for the mid like that whole Midwest scene, I I, I don't know, like if the misfits would have been what what people consider them to be today. Mm. One to grow on. Uh, a few weeks ago <laughs> I had the photographer Cynthia Connolly out and somebody in the audience and for Philly listeners, it was one of the brothers from the band Scram, said that uh, his time in punk was the time that he felt the most attached to a community and felt a part of something. Uh, And that nowhere else in his life going forward, and this is someone who's um, probably in his early 50s now, nowhere else did he ever feel as much a part of a community as when he was involved in punk. And he asked her if she went on to to feel that sort of uh, connection or sense of community later in life when she wasn't as involved in the punk scene. So I would ask the, the four of you, have you managed to find in other aspects of life that community connectedness that you assume, I assume you felt you know, within hardcore punk? Um, you know, it's, it's still... It's still, I mean, obviously, I'm still hanging out with these guys and, and working with them. Um, you know, you know, I, I uh, program films at Nighthawk Cinema, so there's there's the, there's the film aspect. It was just always music and films for me anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like I still make new relationships. You know, still have old ones that I've had for a long time, and um, you know, you can still build with those people. So it's really, um, you know, it's kind of. Uh, just still being interested in in in, uh, in, in doing something and, and taking action on certain stuff and you know now shining a little bit of a light on something that was a, a important moment uh, uh, but is only worth anything as to how it informs what's going on now so it's not like nostalgia it's more like you know um, you know you can like what James Damien said this is what what could have been you can kind of look back and and see these successes and mistakes of it so I think that I still feel connected. Maybe not, you know I, I don't go to shows every weekend like I used to, but I still definitely um, uh, feel like it's it's a part of who I am, and I, I try to contribute whenever I can. Orlando, any thoughts? I think he 
pretty much said it. <laughs> I mean, I look. For, I mean, I always look for it. You know, I mean, hardcore. Uh, you know, the scene was a great place. You know, you're as far as being a young person and and also oh, finding oh, you like this too. This is great. You know, we can communicate, and I think that's very important for especially for young people to be a part of. You know, and to have and or to know what that is. But yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, it still goes up to this day. I mean, working with John and you know. Continues, Tony. Um, you know, I think it's something that I finally realized maybe in the past few years because, you know, I, I wasn't I stopped going to hardcore shows and stuff, and I just became like a music fan rather than like a hardcore guy. Um, but in the past few years of like kind of realizing in my head, like you know, this is a history that needs to be told. Not that I'm like I'm the guy to tell it, but it needs to be told. And once you kind of pull that that thread some more you meet you see all the people that you used to know and it kind of like reforms itself around it again like you know you get like you know past couple of years i gotten to know john again and freddie and like you know you realize that that community was important and it was something almost like um not sound like a hippie but some sort of like universal consciousness or something like it pulls everybody together like in certain certain times so i think um I forgot about it for a while, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. I liked, like, like with hardcore, it was always like, this guy's band stinks, but I have to support it because he's a cool guy. I liked the fact that, like, hey, your band stinks. <laughs> that's it. Um, but then, like, you know, that's a real asshole thing to do. So, you know, I kind of realized, like, you know, that this community is important, and, it, you know, it's something you can fall back into, and it's sort of never-ending as long as you meet the right people, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Um, I would say um, the two biggest group of groups of people that I stay in touch with uh, most of my life is people uh, that I met through the hardcore scene, or people like people I grew up with in the, in the same neighborhood, and sometimes they're uh, both in the same. So um, yeah, it's it's past. Um, there was a long period, of, like I, I think all of us, um, where we weren't that much involved with hardcore. Um, for me, it was like maybe ninety. Uh, 99 to about 2007, 2008. I was busy going to school, you know, relationship and all that. But um, getting back into it and coming back to it, it was like kind of like riding a bike, you know, it was just uh, all my old friends are still in it. Um, another old friend that I did a compilation with, Chaka, he had a great, um, when we did, um, I think the interview, we were just talking about um, the comp and how Talking about his perspective, he was in, um, you know, Burn, but later on he went on to a band called Orange Nine Millimeter, who were more like a indie indie rock band. And now he's doing Burn again. He feels like he came back home. It's sort of a he never got the same vibe at a Orange Nine show that he gets at a Burn show. Um, it's just a whole um, hardcore um, energy that you f that you feel. And like Tony said, you know, don't sound like a hippie, but it's a consciousness, universal consciousness that. You feel in hardcore, Freddie? What do you think of the uh, Peruvian elections today? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I heard about this on NPR today, and I thought, oh, yeah, Freddie, yeah. he's um, from Peru. <laughs> neither, neither, neither of them. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't know. Uh, one of the two runner-ups are um, one is the daughter of um, uh, of a president who was um, who's <laughs> sitting in, in jail now for committing uh, human rights abuses during his uh, in the nineties. Um, a lot of corruption. So his daughter is running for president now. So 
she kind of like um doesn't exactly like uh represents dad her dad but uh she's kind of following the same tradition so i'm not really big for her and the other big runner he sort of um represents more of the um the one zero one percent uh zero point one percent of the upper class in peru uh, so I don't think it really represents the country. So, hmm. I, do you still have a lot of family and connections? To uh, yeah, I have uh, extended family there. Um, hope to visit next year. Um, also, there was a big uh, Peruvian hardcore scene in the eighties. Yeah, I was going to ask you, was there was yeah, there a there scene? Was. Of and I, I, yes, I, um, more like a metal band. But um, in the late, well, I would go to Peru every summer in, in the eighties. So I got to make friends with some couple of guys that, that played in bands and kept touch with them. I actually put out a Peruvian hardcore band in 94 who are like huge now. What band is that? Uh, Futuro Incierto. And they, they're like, they've been around for 25 years. They'll play like Lima's uh, National Stadium. It's pretty wow. crazy. That's great. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I always uh, kept up through friends from Peru, uh, kept up through the hardcore scene there as well. Did you get any Traffic Sound records while you there? I picked them all in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Traffic Sound, like a legendary Peruvian, Peruvian uh, 70s, like yeah. psychedelic progressive band. Wow. And went, um, um, at one time I went out with someone who was Peruvian and she went to visit her family and I was like, bring these records back. <laughs> and she brought great. me back like burned CDRs oh, no. from the flea market. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> one of the things that <clears throat> comes up in the documentary it was the influence of the, at that point, sort of exploding hip hop community onto the hardcore scene. And I was wondering if you could touch on was that it? Was that at all a two-way street, or was that a one-way? Like the, the graffiti and those things are impacting people in hardcore, but you know, uh, uh, there, it wasn't necessarily going the other direction as much. Um, I think predominantly it's more one direction um, from the uh, hip hop influencing hardcore. Sure. But um, I think that comes from a lot of us, like myself, Chaka, Jinji, yeah. a lot of people in the, in the compilation. You know, we grew up with hip hop. You know, the first thing I was into um, when I was 12 years old, you know, I was into, you know, Grandmaster Flash. That's, sure. You know, I was, uh, you know, where I had my Adidas uh, fat laces, you know, Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> so that's the first subculture that was in with hip hop. So. When I was a kid, that was the first music I liked. And what's funny is the era of hardcore I came into people were wearing their shoes that way and i was like oh that's what i did when i was a kid that's funny i got that's, that's the cute. thing that's the thing again all right yeah I, I know how to do that i'm good yeah let's let's do it yeah in the later in the 90s when it, when like a independent hip-hop scene did develop in new york with places like sobs and wetlands sure. yeah, and yeah, the spiral yeah. Fat um beats. yeah fat beats footwork yep. you know i definitely was seeing people in those circles that that, I, that I'd seen at hardcore shows earlier, you know. So One of the guys who found the Fat Beats was, uh, yeah. was uh, Yusuko. Ryan Sikorsky. Yeah. Early, late 80s oh, yeah, yeah. hardcore yeah. scene. And ABC No Rio. Sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's sure. right. So, that seems uh, specific to New they York They became more well. intertwined, like, maybe later on. But, yeah, in the beginning, it was... I'm, I, I listened to hip-hop, you know, since, since day one, too, but... Um, one thing I will say that is, like, people... My regular friends, they listen to rock or whatever, Van Halen. Like, they, they were not... What are you listening to rap rap records for, you know? But people in hardcore wasn't wasn't weird. You talk about, you know, oh, did you get the, you know, you know, new new Big Daddy Kane or whatever, you know, or uh, this mixtapes and stuff were placed on St. Mark's that had hip hop mixtapes. So um, it was definitely like part of the uh, part of the soundtrack, definitely. So I think it was just two forms of music that normal people didn't want to listen to. Yeah, sure. So it made yeah. it they the outsiderness of it all. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it was also the same thing as where like a hardcore like. Where I, I grew up in 
Trenton, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, it'd be the same thing as like a hardcore show going on at a VFW hall. Like Schoolie D would play at like a, like a rec center in our town. So it kind of maybe aesthetically or something kind of paralleled maybe. Sure. Was there anyone that you, uh, that was a part of New Breed that you were surprised later on where they ended up? Was there any sort of stories where... Oh, oh so, totally, yeah. yeah. Three, three lawyers in the movie, I don't know if you know. Well, <laughs> really? But, yeah. You mean the one that played on the comp or on the movie, you mean? Uh, I, I was thinking the comp, but okay. you know, some of those people ended up in the movie. I didn't know there well, were three lawyers, let alone. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I mean that positively and negatively, obviously. But well, the first you know, positive person, is yeah. more up, positive, <laughs> positive is more right. uplifting. So any any wins, let's let's start there. Well, uh, if you don't want to shit on anybody, yeah, I understand. first person I think of was Sergio Vega. Sure, sure, you know, sure. He played oh my God, collapse and, and the compilation. He was playing Absolution. Uh, went on to Quicksand in the 90s, and now he's in the Deftones, which is... Yeah. Rival schools. Yeah, ri- yeah. rival school. Uh, is... is uh, yeah, I know. Keep coming. I'm sorry. Uh, another guy I can think of was Marco Siega. He was um, playing in Bad Trip. Oh, and sure. in the 90s, he started like a, a directing videos for like you know, boy bands. And now he's like a... Do you know that show on Fox, The Following, Kevin Bacon? Oh, yeah. He directs that. That's Marco Sierra's show. It's, it's pretty wow. crazy. Wow. When are we going to try to get that guy on Cinepost? I don't know. Maybe if we know somebody who knows him, maybe. I may have a number. <laughs> Pull the string. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was funny when you were like, oh, it was always punk and movies for me anyway. I'm like, yeah. have you heard of a little podcast called Cinepunks? Because uh, kind of I don't know if you know. Uh, no, that's great. Is w- Was there... It, was there a band on the comp that you, I mean, so obviously Absolution, but I will say this, even though they never got the full link together, kids still like Absolution. I mean, I still have kids who have, in one sense, no reason to know who they are, still like, yo, that's the best, you know, whatever. Are there any bands that not only maybe didn't keep going monetarily, but even you think, why is no one putting that shirt on eBay? Like, why, is, you know what I mean? Like, is there any band that you think should have that cult appeal on the comp that never did for some wow, reason. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So what's like the what's the one song on the compilation that when you tell people like I like that song they're like are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's mine, a good way to put it. Yeah, Cuz yeah. mine is the discipline song. <laughs> yeah, I like that song. I, I like it. Too. Oh, yeah. I you say you no, I do like okay. it. I think it's just like it's probably the most like crazy t- frantic like song on the whole thing, I think. If you could do it into the, if you could, oh, I'm sorry, the fit of anger is great. It's great, man. Yeah. And how old were they when they recorded? They were like really high school. Too. Yeah, finishing high school. Yeah, no, I do like that song a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah they they were definitely like because they played a lot and they were at all the shows. They were organized, yeah. That, yeah. It seemed like them, and they had, they had like a real visual language. When sure. You look at their flyers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It seemed like they had the whole thing going for the whole them. Package. Yeah, definitely. And they yeah. were they were they were great live. They were supposed to play ABC. Yeah, and they, they never were, wind yeah. up doing yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Our gang, but they kind of got a, they got a little. Rep. They, the record came out. And yeah, stuff they got a, and, yeah. yeah. Thirty years later, collapse. Yeah, uh, yeah collapse too. Yeah, they were great. They were um, the seven inch came out later, or that was that's the, a yeah, later, later like, Matt, uh, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, with without the, um, with the cover that's too big. I don't think Surgeon knew about that. It's always stuck out every record server ever worked out. I was like, God damn it! I want to take it with a pair of safety scissors and cut it down. Yeah, I don't know. I think every band in that, that, what we were saying before, like there's this weird little world out there where these kids are like making up their own little histories for these bands, where I think they all have their little niche of, of being um, important. Like, the, again, the, the first night of the, the screening, like some girls like, 
uh, I want to ask a question about the lineups of Show of Force. And like we had to bring like <laughs> one of the Mike my, John jumped. Yeah, out we had to bring seat. Mike DeJohn yeah, up hopefully. to be like, because I was like, yeah, good thing someone from Show of Force was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that someone had that question. And yeah, we were just like. <laughs> okay ask um, him yeah. yeah but no it's it's crazy I think the book too has a lot to do with it because it wasn't just the sound you have yeah, something yeah, that they did yeah something that they wrote and like put together and you kind of get you know a feeling of what what they're about right whether, whether it's literal or whether it's just by some kind of some kind of thing you get off the page. look at that life's blood drawing yeah like I mean look at yeah, the, the pressure of these one is the best one yeah with the, with <laughs> with the, with the raw deal like, yeah. like that's yeah, like yeah, like pointing at each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Mad Magazine on mescaline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah There's definitely comic book aspect to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But it's, you, but you it's pick so your favorite good. superhero. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> the raw, raw deal, man. Yeah, yeah. Pressure release one is my 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 favorite page on there because it's like, I don't know. It looks really fucking weird. It's weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like they definitely like, oh, like let's make this look like the Void record. Like, and sure. it's just awesome they because they were going for it. It's awesome just because they were like. This totally the great but totally generic like straight edge hardcore band, and all of a sudden they just became like the weirdest fucking hardcore band in the world. That's, I never. I yeah, guess they went to college. Prison of my own. Was I don't know. A departure well, from yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. called a departure record in the, in the biz. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's yeah. fucking crazy. That record's fucking that amazing. Was, when the needle hit the road, I was like, "What? The? What? That was the again like what we we're talking about in the car. Like that was one of the records when I like Tim McMahon and I would go record shopping. And I'd he was like, "Ah, press release, yay!" And like we put it on. And he's like. This? this is atmospheric. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's like blast on on yeah. codeine. Yeah. Five minute long songs on one yeah, side. It's like one yeah. side. Five whole minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my one God. song yeah. over and over. Drums again. sound weird and yeah. When uh, Anthony Paparlardo put out that Radio Silence yeah. book, I, I DJed the show and I brought three copies of Prison, three copies of Prison. My own. I just played that song Paralyzed back to back until people are like, "What the hell? Can you turn this off?" Like, sure, Bastille Day by Rush. Boom, there we go. Um, so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think, I wonder w what impact on something like this the internet has. Like, people find things they didn't know, I mean, and have responses I would never expect. Like, I, I really like Absolution. Mm -hmm. What I did not expect is 18-year-old kids, when we <laughs> booked Burn here, corny kids who don't even go to shows like Burn, not as good as Absolution. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's weird because you are still in high school. So the fact that you even have an opinion on this issue is weird to me, let alone like just Again, come to the show. Like, what's wrong with you? In the car, the, I only like the demo crowd. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. The demo's good. Let's, have, let's be I, fair, I have some of those opinions on certain bands, oh, but. We all do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is I, I hadn't heard of Burn even before Absolution. And then after doing the research, oh, Absolution, then Absolution. I was like, oh my God, this is even crazier. Yeah, <laughs> being, later on, when I, when I, I, when I got into both. it, everyone knew Burn. That was just like a thing, you know, like, because when I when I got into it, things were very much splintering. Where oh, like, by the way, Orlando played in Burn in 2001, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah I lucked out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like when I when I got into things, it was, Burn was one of those bands that like the big pant kids and the not big can't pant kids. Because that was it. When I was going to shows, that's what you do. That they agreed, you know, like the dude, you know, the, there'd be dudes at the in my high school with all shirts on and black flag shirts, and there'd be dudes in my high school with like E Town Concrete shirts. But if Burn, when Burn played at the YWCA in Philly, that reunion show, yeah, they were all there. Like everyone was like, oh, Burn's playing? Oh, you know? And even back then, they could bridge that gap. They could play ABC and then go play like the Limelight with BDP or something. Sure, like sure, that. sure, they sure. Totally, which they did. Yeah. And they yeah. Tompkins Square. Like Thompson homeless. Square, kind of homeless. Yeah. And they were yeah. fucking. And it, that's, that's a, a matter of just the music just being that good. 
What's it like in New York now? I mean, I haven't. I lived up in North Jersey up until like 2001 or so, and right when I left was when Coney Island had closed, and uh, like just a bunch of other venues had stopped being. Like, what's it like now? It's, it's moved to Brooklyn, right? Yeah, Would it's all yeah, Brooklyn? it's all in Brooklyn. Yeah, pretty but much. Every real still continues. Every yeah. this show every Saturday there. Knitting factories in Brooklyn now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's the the Acheron is great. Acheron Grand. Oh, uh, the Grand Vitus. 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 I, I go same to the Acheron a lot. Like, yeah, that's why. It's, same vibe. Yeah. It's you know. It's still great. There's a silent barn, which I saw a bastard noise there in 2007. So, it's and still the annual Black and Blue Bowl, even though um, whatever you might like, whatever you feel about it, there's always at least a couple of good bands every every yeah. year. Oh, yeah, yeah and those guys really put AKA the really good job. Yeah. 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 What do you, what do you guys think about film wise next? Are you guys got anything other than what we had previously discussed? Mm-hmm. ABC documentary. What else? Uh, okay. Do you have anything on the books that's coming up? Or? These, these guys want to do a freestyle documentary yeah. next. So, so <laughs> I think it'd be some great. of you know freestyle. Not uh, freestyle, uh, rap. Not rap freestyle. Freestyle was uh, like John B, like uh, Johnny B, TKA, mm-hmm. Cover Girl, Whoa, stuff like that. No way. That stuff yeah. we grew up with as well. Like it's very specific yeah. to New York. Stevie and I literally have no idea what you're talking you about. Don't right. <laughs> Fill me in. It's a. Uh, Dance music. I don't know. How do you? It's smooth it's, singing. Yeah, it, it it's came, electro it dance music. Electro. Yeah, played yeah, predominantly by and black and Hispanic yeah. uh, kids. Like in the would there be any? So I mean, I, maybe the closest like in mainstream. But that'd be like Lisa Lisa would be the closest. Lisa to Lisa was a that would be like the Weezer yeah. of it. Like yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> fuck. Mark Anthony started out freestyle. Yeah, Mike Tanya. Yeah. I fully support the using but. Weezer as a descriptor of things. Well, I just I always in my mind I make them like they're the guys that like. Made everything crappy to to <laughs> take it to the mainstream, like they're just like the the commercial version of like pavement or something like that. Right. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about like little Susie and like uh, <laughs> yeah. wow. It's it's, it's when you the more you think about it, it's very interesting. And, yeah. And um, it's again, it's was specific to a certain time, even though it was all over the radio. Right. Uh, it was it was it was, it was very region specific, like yeah. go-go music in DC. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. like they never specific. took off nationally either. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Man, that's really that would that be would, truly that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, my, my wife would love it because she was a freestyle queen yeah, my, back my in the day. So. Like yeah. <laughs> One of the questions I was wondering, you know, there might be people who listen to this who uh, would be interested in bringing the movie to where they are. What's a good way for them to do that? www.newbreeddocumentary.com. Just get in touch with us. We'll um, we'll travel anywhere. Basically, that's great. <laughs> We're going that on is tour. awesome. Getting the band back together. Yeah, no, that's great.
we probably want to wrap up soon, but one of the things that we skipped that I want to give an opportunity for every show, we usually talk about either things we've seen lately that were great or things that are coming up we're excited about. So um, I'd love to give y'all an opportunity to hype something, whether that's you saw something and you think people should check it out or that's something you're going to soon that you think people should know about. And for the record, what's the section called, Liam? Uh, when we do it at the beginning, it's called Whack and On Track. <laughs> no, 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 no. What do we call it? It's called Whack, Whack and, and On Track. track. That's fine, but I, also, but, I, but I also opened it up to like things. And if you don't have something you want to talk about that you did already, we'll also take hype. If you want to hype something up like, yo, this thing's coming up, you should come out to it. Whatever. So either something you've seen lately that's cool that you want to tell people about or something that's coming up you want to tell people is coming up. I really like this show that just ended on Comedy Central called Idiot Sitter. That's great. And I've been told it's that there's a variety amazing. of punk t-shirts on that show. Yeah, she, but she wears like crappy... Boom. Like you, lousy bands. It's a podcast. You get cursed. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I mean, like, I don't want to get in. Like, you don't. You don't want to said lousy bands. Like they're lousy to me. Uh, like yeah, people yeah. might like them. Yeah. But Yo, like, you know, like you know what we support on Cinepunks? Bands. Strong opinions. Um, like she'll wear like a um, naked aggression shirt. Like what? What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. But it's a. It, I love it just because it's like it's. Um, two women just acting as juvenile and stupid as two men can. Sure. And. Uh, it's surreal, like it's almost like what's it called? Uh, idiot sitter. It's almost like dr like dr like druggy. And, I've uh, seen the advertisement. I just haven't got a chance to check it out. Fucking amazing! I love it. Like it's so it's it's something my wife and I have been like just watched every week. And then like when the season finale came, we're like, huh. no, I appreciate that. That's, <laughs> no, how, but, uh, that's usually should, what happens in my house when a good show's should, over. We're like, oh. everybody should watch that show. I you know if I'm gonna push Period something mainstream, it's it that. doesn't have to be mainstream. You can push whatever you want. Um, that's it. I don't know. I'm That's fine. I'm, I'm not. I didn't had nothing to do with this other than talking over it. Some discussion. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> else? Something that you wanted to hype or something? I'm looking forward wanted. to high rise. Oh my god! Some fuck yes. Of Toronto. Yeah. Um, that and then Louis Through. You guys familiar? What is Louis, that? Louis Through is an English guy, son of Paul Through. Um, no. He did a he did a series for BBC called Weird Weekend where he come oh, to America. Yes. Yeah, yes. That guy. Yes. He made a Scientology documentary. And, fuck yes. And if you see the poster, like. The whole time they were filming people, the Scientologists had a crew filming them. It just looks really fun. So the poster is like them filming and then another crew filming that. And then you realize, wait a minute, they had another camera crew filming those two crews. So that's great. He's really funny, and um, um, that's that's something I'm I'm really curious to see. His stuff's been a little more serious lately than it has been funny in the past, but. Those are two things that in the next that, that I really am looking forward to. Is that going to be playing in theaters or is this coming to? Well, it's going to be at Tribeca. I assume it's going to get. Hopefully, some people buy it and it'll be yeah. in theaters. But but uh, I'm going to try to go see it at the Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah. Oh man, I have High a band called Hello Phones that's sure. playing here like in two weeks. Yes, do it. And uh, man. You can't where find I where can't it's at. Find where it's at, man. I'm like googling here. No, I'm I've been like, watching you on your phone. I'm someone, like, he's gonna have something good for him. My band, my band member is gonna be like, you idiot, you didn't remember. Like, no, uh, well, I mean, we'll say that. Hello phones. Hello phones. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing here in Philly. What did you say? Eyes a high rise. What are we? A building. It's a movie by Ben Wheatley. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the give it some context. I feel like the majority. I think yeah, exactly. I think the majority yeah. of our audience are yeah. movie nerds enough they can figure that. Yeah. out. I mean the you trailers have been was, coming so. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> that and I I have a lot of friends who go to Fantastic Fest and people out of Fantastic Fest were like, "Fucking high rise!" I was like, "All right." Good, good the, the other so thing far. that's gotten hyped out of Fantastic Fest for me was a uh, green room, which yeah, is relevant yeah, to what yeah. we're doing here. That it's like, yeah. Because a lot of people who saw it were more on the 
just movie dork side and they're, oh, it's really good. But I had like three or four friends who are, uh, let's say, a part of this community in some way. So I specifically was like, yo, what's that about? They're like, it's a little too legitimate. I was yeah. like, really? Yeah. They're like, yeah. well, Tony, they... you're doing the radio show yeah. now. Yeah, with yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah really? This, um, there's we'll people that, that do uh, A24 who are distributing it hired me to do a podcast that is promoting that movie where I interview like hardcore people. That's about, so like, fucking their, cool. Their worst gig things and all oh, this kind of stuff. Shit, I didn't know about that. Yeah, thanks. Oh, uh, no. But let me, <laughs> www.greenroomradio.com. There, there's another plug. Sick. Boom. Do it. Damn. Bam. So, Nailed it. So far, I've, uh, I've interviewed Ted Leo, Richie Birkenhead, um, Ned Russin from Title Fight, Sammy Sigler, Todd Youth, and this week we have Mike Judge and Toby Morse, and then we got like one with Walter and all these other people. How but many more? How many are you doing? Is this an ongoing I wish. project? No, or, it was uh, it was just for ten episodes, and we have two more to go. Um, one is going to be with the actors, and then we have another like empty slot to fill. But that's it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it it was a sort of a hard sell for me, like because it was a total like they just. I didn't know any of them. They just kind of got in touch with me and asked me about this. And I was like, yes, I don't know. And then they sent me the, tr- the, the screener for the movie. And I was like, good Lord. Like, it's, it's very, like, um, yeah, it's very, sp- it's very specific. And it's also, like, they really capture that whole thing of, like, when you would be on tour and, like, what's, what's going to happen today? I don't know. We might play uh, a Nazi rally or uh, a popcorn factory. Like it's just like they really capture that like yeah. ju- that surprise, like that element of surprise, and just sure. walking into it and being like, "Hey, fuck it." Pretty do, good. do you think the film has the the proper sense of verisimilitude? Like it actually feels real made by people who know what that world is like because a lot of times I'm sure all of us have seen things with punk in it and it always seems it, sometimes it could be a little close but most yeah. of the time it's yeah. something there's a removal Summer um, of Sam springs to mind <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well the guy who's a director I can't think of his name right now uh, is a old hardcore punk guy and uh, I, th- I think he nailed it in, in the way that like little little things to me like you know there's parts where the, the, the band's driving in the van and they're listening to like Poison Idea or something like you know like they're not playing uh, Green Day or, mm-hmm. I don't know, public nuisance. Um, so they're just uh, <laughs> naked aggression. Uh, so it seems, it seems pretty legit. Um, so I, I, I think it'll, like you said, people that are um, part of hardcore will be like, oh, yeah, that, they nailed it. Yeah. But outside of that world, it's a, it's, it's a frightening fucked up. Movie. Sure. And I, I like that. I really liked his other movie, so yeah, I, I had I, high I hopes. Yeah. yeah, Freddie, what did you have? Uh, well, I don't want to plug anything <laughs> as much specific. I just want to give a big uh, thank you. Um, we've been talking a lot about New York, New York bands, and all this sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. I want to really thank Philly, Philly uh, music scene, everything from um, the Philly Sound, Gamble and Huff, 80s, Schoolie D, Steady um, B. Hardcore, Ruin, FOD, Why Die, Pagan Babies. The goats. Uh, I busted out my pagan baby shirt. Today. Fuck yes! <laughs> Sick. So, so this is more of a thank you. Uh, it's not always about New York. So we love everything from different scenes, different cities. And have you told a, other people in New York it's not always about New York? Because I don't know if that's a common. Uh, well, I mean, we'll go home now and It's not all about New York. For us, it's not always about New York. We'll get, we'll get a car with a bullhorn. Yeah. <laughs> like, autistic Gosh, behavior, we're great. <laughs> so it's not always about New York hardcore. Yeah, autistic behavior, we're great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I mean, you know, you legitimate may, reason. Not good band. Legitimate yeah, reason. You may or may not know, but that's Joseph's thing: is documenting bands and yeah, people yeah. involved in music right. from Philly and. 
Those no win situation. Remember that? So, Late 80s, so great band. <laughs> yeah. 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 So band. my brother still has an autistic behavior shirt that I always want to steal. Steal, I was going to say. Because <laughs> I'm sure he can't find anyone. Um, <laughs> not that I can, but. Yeah. Well, I, frame. I think we're. Does anyone have any final things before we wrap up? Thank you for this documentary. Yes, yeah, thank it's you awesome for having us. It's really, really cool. <laughs> thank, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for bringing the documentary here. Um, was there anything you wanted? Oh, and I think we the one thing we haven't mentioned on the podcast on this episode right. was that this is part of the Philadelphia Film Fest. So big yeah. thank you to Philomoka, to Eric Bressler, to the Fest. And uh, if you so let me say if you're not going to be at the screening tonight and you didn't see the movie, you should try to get at the movie some way. Look right. for a screening or try to bring it to your town. If you're in Philly, you should come to other Philadelphia Film Fest stuff. And we're going to say that to people tonight. Like, yeah. they're going to probably be folks who come because they know the comp and they aren't so familiar with this venue or with film, this Film Fest. And I think there's a lot of great options at this Film Fest. There's a lot of things going on. And a lot of always been very, programming. Yeah, they've always been very supportive to us. So big, big respect to that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's okay, it. That's it. Thank, thank you, you so much, much for being a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So yeah. All right. Bomb. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Thanks, Evan. <laughs>